Hey, so good to be here in this new year with you today. If you have a Bible, we're going to jump right in. If, uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, and then a little later we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 7 if you want to kind of mark your Bible. And if you need a Bible to uh, follow along with today, we've got some we can hand you. Just raise your hand. We're, we're glad to do that. And while you're finding your se- uh, settling in on God's Word and, and, and getting settled, uh, two things real quick. Um, last spring in May, we talked about uh, an initiative that we're trying to do as a church called Fearless, uh, raise some money and also build a building. Um, It's getting kind of tight in this room and in our children's space. And so we're very excited about that. I promised you that actually I said, I hope we get started in 2023. It's 2024. We haven't quite broke ground. So uh, I I would like to meet with anyone and everyone uh, a week from Wednesday and do a a little fearless update. We think we're getting close, but again, I make no promises about anything in this regard when it comes to construction, uh, but some really good things have happened. I'd like to share that with you and just sort of, I didn't want to do it during um, December and Christmas and all that, so let's, uh, let's take a minute here at the beginning of the year. I'll tell you where we stand and what's going on and what we think might happen in the next couple months. We do believe that we're going to start some of the uh, demolition um, pretty soon, and so we can talk about all that. So next Wednesday night, um, what day is that, 17th? Does that sound right? Um, 17th, yes, at 6.30 p.m. in this room. Uh, Let's just have a conversation, and we'll talk about some cool things going on with Fearless. If you weren't here then, you'd like to come hear about it, we'd love to let you know about it as well. We could probably use your help um, in some form or fashion uh, as we do that. Also, small groups are starting to organize to be launched in the next few weeks. So if you haven't been in a small group and you'd like to find out about those, uh, just shoot us an email at uh, info at tworiverschurch.com or go on our website and you can find the small group page there. Um, Just about every morning, I wake up, my alarm usually goes off at six, and I'm up by six, you know, right after that, or sometimes I'll sleep a little bit till 6.30, but I'm usually up and I make a cup of coffee and uh, get some toast or cereal, and I will turn the TV on. Now, if it's, when we moved here, I used to watch, uh, I used to watch the Today Show when we lived in Virginia, And when we moved here, I started watching News Channel 12 because it's local out of New Bern. And that's ABC. And at 7 a.m., it's uh, Good Morning America. So I might watch SportsCenter for a few minutes until 7 when I turn on the news and see what's going on in the world. And for the first segment of news, I'll sit and eat my breakfast and see what in the world's happening, right? Literally. And here's what I've learned. Over the many years that I've watched uh, a little bit of news first thing in the morning, it's almost always bad news, isn't it? Have you noticed that? It's like a lot of bad news. Bad news must get eyeballs on the screens and people watching because they will go with bad news way before they go with good news. And I I usually don't make it past that first segment. Uh, First of all, I'm ready to get my day started. But also, I've had all I can take of Trump and Biden. I've had all I can take of wars and bombings and shootings and all of the bad news. And guess what? This is officially an election year, so it's going to get even more fun on the news, right? Uh, I often think, why can't there be some good news? Why can't we have something good happening? So I thought we might start this year thinking about good news, and I had to dig pretty deep to find a few stories that were good, but I think we've done okay. Let's watch this. This is ABC News. They found something good. Watch this. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy. Let's go fishing. If you ask Andy Hines of South Carolina to describe himself. I am just a fisherman. Oh, man. Y'all see that? 
Well, Andy may identify as just a fisherman, but in the last few months, he has also become a world-famous fisherman. Did you care if you got five views or? Uh, oh, no? I didn't think it would ever. I didn't think I'd ever get monetized. <laughs> About a year ago, the 64-year-old started a YouTube channel called Let's Go Fishing with Andy. He created it after his father Bennett passed away, and he missed having someone to share his catches with. And so I just pretend like. I'm in the boat with, you know, close friends or family. But in late October, an 18-year-old on TikTok brought Andy millions of new friends with just one video. Just, like, exploded. His name is Cole, and he runs a page called Carve TV that promotes channels which he thinks deserve a little more love. You're young, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. This past week, they got to chat with each other for the first time since the video skyrocketed to 32 million views. Although I'm the person that found you, all I did was post your channel and they had to fall in love with you. <laughs> well, on New Year's Eve, Andy and his grandson celebrated as his channel officially climbed from about 420 subscribers in the fall to a million just in time for 2024. Did he change your life? Oh, yes, yes, yes. All I want to do is fish more. And this is allowing me to fish. He just wants to fish, guys. And by the way, my favorite part about the story, the day Andy woke up with thousands of followers was November 1st, which is his dad's birthday, guys. So pretty good story, right? Uh, not, not easy to find. I like that story for a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of fishermen in this room and in our, in our community. Um, Mark, who plays bass up here, probably could do his own channel. Where is Mark? Uh, he catches a lot. The, the fish that uh, this guy was catching look a lot like some of the fish that Mark catches. Second thing is, that guy could be from Pamlico County, couldn't he? I mean, he literally is right out of, right out of Pamlico County. But, uh, you know, it's not easy in this world to find good news. Stories of people helping, but you can do it. Stories of people helping others, news about goodness, about sacrifice. But it is hard to overcome the onslaught of bad news, isn't it? But if anyone should be able to find something good, right, it should be us. Because this is a place of hope and healing a place where good news is the lead story every day. We just finished Christmas season here at Two Rivers. What a wonderful time. Um, you know, it's busy for everybody. It's busy for me, for our staff, for our leadership here. But we had a great time of celebrating the birth of Jesus. We're so thankful to get to do that together as a church family. Uh, matter of fact, we had our largest one-day attendance in the history of our church on Christmas Eve day. Now, some of that counted you and us together twice because there was two different services, but we had over a 1,000 people here for Christmas Eve day, uh, morning and night. So, yeah, in four services. But do you remember what uh, the angel told the shepherds? He said, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? For all the people. You see, good news is for everyone. This good news about Jesus, the good news not just about his birth, but about who he was and his life and the things that he did, uh, it ushered in, right? The birth of Jesus ushered in a time of joy for all people. His birth was and still is good news for everyone. And it's not just that he was born, 
but it was also that how he changed the world, how his life and his death and his resurrection changed the world. There's a Greek word used about 100 times in the New Testament. Uh, it's pronounced in Greek, euangelion, and it, and it means a good message or good news. It's the word sometimes translated gospel throughout the New Testament. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The NIV translates that same verse, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. So there's no formal introduction in Mark's gospel. It's just he jumps right in, right? He, he says, hey, there's, there's good news, and his name is Jesus. And this good news is not just a rise in the stock market or lower gas prices or good weather report. That Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, right, the Old Testament that was translated, it's called the Septuagint, translated into Greek, this word euangelion was used to announce God's defeat of Israel's enemies. God is on the move, and it's good news. If you're here today, and it's a new year, and you've decided you need a change, I want to tell you, you're in the right place. You see, I believe that this is good news, and I believe it's for everyone. In just a few, for, uh, just a few short verses, Mark tells, in this Mark chapter 1, tells the story of John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah. It talks about the baptism of Jesus. It talks about Jesus going out into the desert and being tempted by um, the Satan, uh, by the devil. And in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, John writes, after John, so this is, uh, Mark writes uh, about John the Baptist. It says, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Of God. Jesus said, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus himself announces that this is the time. It's exciting. Change your heart and minds and believe the good news. Now, here's the thing about good news in our day and time, right? In our world, it's rarely good news for everyone. Sometimes there's good news for some people. That isn't necessarily good news for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a, a Republican and you get good news, it's probably not good news for a Democrat, right? We're very polarized in most areas of our lives. What's good news for a Cowboys fan is probably not good news for a Redskins fan or a Washington football team or a Commanders, whoever they are this week, right? If your stock is up, it could mean someone else's stock is down. Good news in today's world is many times at the expense of someone else. Not so with the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is good news for everyone. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, that good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. There's a great story in the book of 2 Kings that takes place during the life of Elisha the prophet. And uh, one of Israel's enemies, Aram, had laid siege to the city of Samaria. A siege is a military tactic that involves surrounding a city or region or community or territory and not allowing supplies or reinforcements to enter the city. It's kind of the long game. We're not going to expend a lot of our men and resources and soldiers. We're just going to surround this area, and in this case, the city of Samaria, and wait it out. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. And it's, it became a terrible time in the city 
of Samaria. Think about your house. How long could you last without being able to leave your house and go to the grocery store or to Walmart? And at the same time, not be able to receive anything from Amazon. Like, it would be a dark day, right? It wouldn't take long. Remember, remember when people were scrambling for toilet paper? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if you couldn't get any supplies for a while? That's a siege, but worse. If you did venture out, the enemy would kill you. If you stayed in the city, you would run out of food. And that's exactly what happens here in Samaria. It's a devastating military tactic. And that's what's happening here in this story. Things are bad. People are starving. The king of Samaria is losing control. And horrific things are happening in this city. If you want to read some terrible things, look at, uh, we're going to look at chapter 7. But go back and read chapter 6 later today. And just outside the city walls, there are four men. Let's pick up the story in chapter 7, verse 3. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. So leprosy was a terrible and highly contagious skin disease that caused decay and eventually death in the ancient world. And anyone who was found to be infected with leprosy was banished from the rest of the community. They lived in leper colonies outside the general population of the city or community. It was humiliating. It was deadly. Probably the worst effect was loneliness, being separated from family and friends. So these four guys come up with a plan. It's not a good plan, but it's what they come up with. Keep reading verse 3. There were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we're going to die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Aramaeans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. Like, pretty simple plan, right? Again, not a great plan, but that's... That's it. We're out of options. This is what we're going to do. We can stay here. We're going to die. We can go in the city. They're dying in there. There's a famine in there. there there's nothing to eat there. there. We'll die if we go there. So let's go to the enemy. Let's turn ourselves into the enemy. They might kill us and we'll die, but maybe not. Who knows? So at dusk, verse 5, they got up and went to the camp of the Aramaeans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. So they take matters into their own hands. They cross over to the enemy camp, and no one is around. It's surreal. I can see them sort of sneaking into the camp, you know, like just looking around, trying to figure out, eyes wide open, tiptoeing as many toes as they have left into the city, walking around. That was a cheap shot, but but funny, right? They were walking around finally through the camp, and there's nobody there. It's just been abandoned. They must have been flabbergasted. What in the world happened? Look at verse 6. It says, For the Lord had caused the Armands to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. 
So what happened was God did a miracle, right? God made it sound like an army was on the way as these four lepers shuffled across, right, over to the other camp. They were in such a hurry, the Arameans were, and in fear for their lives, they left everything as it was. Look at verse 8. It says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, ate and drank. They took silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered into another tent and took some things from it and hid it also. Now, remember, these guys hadn't eaten either, right? It's not just that there was no food in the city, but there was also certainly no food for this leper colony. So the first thing they do is get something to eat. They've essentially walked into a golden crowd, right? It is an all-you-can-eat buffet. Whatever the enemy soldiers were fixing for dinner was about dusk. It was supper time. They consumed. And then they started stockpiling silver and gold. It must have taken a while. They go back for more even. But then something happens, and it stops them in their tracks. They have a realization. Verse 9. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go and report this to the royal palace. They recognized that they weren't doing right. Right? It's not just great for them. The enemy has left their camp. This is good news for everyone, right? So they left, immediately went and told the city, and the city was also saved. They could have kept the news to themselves. They could have carted off what they wanted. They could have gotten outside of the enemy camp and on the other side of the siege. They could have hid more in the sand. But they came to this realization that good news is for everyone. And let me just say, if it's true for four lepers in Israel, it's even more true for us today. We have the gospel. We have the good news, the good news of Jesus. And that's good news, not just for us, but for everyone. Let me give you a couple of truths about this passage and this idea of good news. See, our tendency is to keep good news to ourselves. I don't know if it's human nature. I don't know if it's competitiveness especially when we stand to benefit from it, right, from keeping the news to ourselves. The men who had leprosy, verse 8, reached the edge of the camp. They entered one of the tents, and they ate and drank. I don't think they even considered sharing the news with the city right at first, right? And I get it. They were hungry. I think we probably would have done the same thing. The food was right there, so they filled up. After all, they're the ones who took the risk, right? It was their plan. It was a dumb plan, but it was their plan. They crossed the battlefield. They were the outcasts. The city had abandoned them. Why shouldn't they get something to eat? And we do this, don't we? Maybe not just like this, but we see a good deal, we see a good deal at Target, and we buy it. And if there's any left, you might let your friends know about it, but we don't call them first. We take the good deal ourselves. You see a job opening, you apply. Later, you think maybe after you've either considered or not considered or taken the job, you think, oh, maybe my friend who's been out of work could use a job. You get a stock tip, 
You don't put it on Facebook. You buy that stock, don't you? We do this with the gospel. We found something that's working for us. It meets our needs. It brings us joy. We find peace in this place and through Christ. And that doesn't necessarily mean we want to share it with someone else. That's not our go-to tendency. Our, our go-to is to, it's working for me. Let everybody else figure it out themselves, right? Last week, Bonnie and I spent Sunday, um, we traveled over to Goldsboro, and we met with um, Kevin and Maya McNeil. Um, they had started Canvas Church in Goldsboro a couple years ago, and we had never had the opportunity to go visit with them and see how things were going and um, Two Rivers had a big part in helping them start. Matter of fact, Two Rivers has been a partner in helping six new churches start here in our region, really in eastern North Carolina, in the last 10 years. And it's really been, it's one of the things that is our heartbeat as a church as far as missions and loving the world and, and our region. Uh, it's how we started. Other churches sort of jumped in and helped us start. And now we get to help some other churches moving forward. So I love seeing those churches do well. But if I'm honest, now don't judge me. Okay, careful. As much as I want to see those churches succeed, if I'm honest, I don't really want them to do better than we do. Is that wrong? I know it's wrong. It's so dumb to feel that way. I have to fight my own, let's be truthful, insecurities. I have to fight my own ego. Their success is kingdom success. And we want to be glad for that. But I know that my tendency, right, I want them to do well, but not better than me. Same is true of your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You should want them to know about Christ. It's good news. You have the good news, and, and this good news is for everyone. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world, not just pick and choose. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, which means good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus said, preach the good news to all creation, to everyone. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. See, we have the good news. It's our job to share it. Not like the lepers who started hoarding the food and burying their treasure. We have the good news. Let's share it. Secondly, in our human condition, we tend to do what's best for ourselves first. That, that's a part, I think, of the fall. I think it's part of a, living in this broken world. By and large, we do what's right and what's best for ourselves before we do for someone else. It's a harsh reality for, to look in the mirror and realize that about ourselves. But we like for things to work out before we share certain things. And that's kind of what happens here in this story. In verse 8, it says, They took silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. First they ate. They were hungry. Then they took things. Then they returned and entered another tent, took some things from it, and they hid them also. I mean, it was a free-for-all for these four. They were just trying to stockpile whatever they could. They were going to take advantage of this good fortune. Really, it was God's blessing, but they just saw it as good fortune. They carry off what they can, they hide it, and they go back for more. And we do the same thing. We have the good news, but we hide it. We downplay it. We like to keep our church life separate 
from our work life or in our neighborhood or in our families. We think that others maybe won't appreciate what we have or we simply don't want to mess up what we're trying to get from this part of our lives. Like, it gets messy when we really embrace this idea of everyone, right? Because we have a certain idea of what this should be and who should be on the road next to us. And when everyone walks through that door, sometimes it gets a little messy. But that's not who God wants us to be. We think that this is ours, and we don't have to share it with others. But this good news is for everyone. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you're, a, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, being, part, being a Christian, part of being a Christian is letting your light shine. You ever ridden through a mountain town at night? Like, I, I think it's Charleston, West Virginia. I've been through there a few times at night, and you can kind of see out across the hills and the valleys. And what do you see? You see the city, the city lights, and it is beautiful. Jesus says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, I love technology. I'm an early adopter whenever I can afford to be one, right? But you know one technology I don't like? I can't stand it. LED headlights, <laughs> right? I can't tell you how many times uh, Bonnie and I travel to Washington. Her mom lives there to see. We go to Washington. We'll come back a little after, after dark sometimes. And uh, we'll, we were, this was happening um, just this week. We went over, had dinner with her. And um, inevitably, on 17, in between, like, Ernell and Bridgeton, I was somebody in a, I don't know if it's the same guy in a 4 by 4 I'm not trying to call anybody out. But with those LED headlights, I'm like, I don't know where the road is because his lights are so bright coming at me. You know what I'm talking about? I, don't, I can't stand that. Sometimes, it's kind of the way we are as Christians. Right? It's you, Greg. Greg, are you the one with the lights? Okay. I see how you are. I see you. I see you. I just can't see the ditch anymore, right? And sometimes I think we're kind of like that four by four as Christians. We shine our lights and it blinds people. Look at us. We're bright. We can see. But we're not helping other people see. We're actually making it harder for them to see. Some of us hide our lights altogether under a bowl. We go too far the other way. Jesus said, don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Remember what Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. The good news is for everyone. Don't blind others. Don't be obnoxious. But also don't hide your light. Be like a city on a hill, beautiful beacon of God shining in you and through you. Finally, recognize the good news is for everyone. The lepers came to their senses. They said to each other, first part of verse 9, what we're doing is not right. I, I love that recognition. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. 
we are not doing right. Finally, after filling their bellies and trying to get rich, it hits them. There are others who can benefit from this. Duh. See, there's something that we miss when we keep the good news to ourselves. And it's the joy of knowing that someone else has found Christ. You know how wonderful it is to help lead somebody to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is? It is the great joy of my life. It's why I'm in Newburn. It's why over the last 15 years, we've seen hundreds of people give their lives to Christ. It's why in 2023, we celebrate as often as we can the people who are making decisions for Christ and getting baptized into Christ. Last year, 34 people gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. I love that we celebrate this because that really is why we exist as a church, to share the good news with everyone. John Piper said it this way, our gospel joy is authentic and satisfying only if we desire to taste this joy in the hearts of other people. It's pretty good. Jesus said it this way, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Why would Jesus say this? Isn't 99 better than one? Aren't the 99, just math-wise, isn't that more valuable than just the one? Well, it's simple. Jesus knows, and we know, that the good news is for everyone. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the beginning of this year, 2024, and the reminder that we have from your word today that the good news is not just for me. It's not just for those who found their way into this room today. It's not just for those who live in America. It's not just for those who somehow have, have found you, Lord. It is for everyone. You love the world so much that you sent Jesus. And that's good news for everyone. So, Lord, I just pray that you lean in like you would push in in our lives and our hearts and break our um, old habits of um, self-containment. Lord, we may not be under siege outwardly, but we may have put up walls personally. So I pray that you would break down those barriers that we would just be open with the gospel, that we wouldn't just blind people with who we are. and We would walk people with people and show them the path to you. Lord, I'm so excited about what you're going to do in us and through us in this new year. But Lord, I, I just want us to get one thing straight. The gospel is for us, but it's not about us. The gospel is good news, not just for me as an individual, but for everyone. So, Lord, I just pray you help us to let our light shine like a city on a hill. Like a light that shines and brightens the room for everyone to see. I pray this in Jesus' name.